Over the last few weeks, we have explored what discipleship has meant and what the relationship is that God wants to have with us. This week, we explore a text that begins to show what the church of Jesus Christ should look at. Listen to the word of God as it comes to us from the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 13 to 22. It is the cleansing of the temple. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned the tables. He told those who were selling the dove, Take these out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. I want you all to notice that Jesus wasn't, was showing compassion. He was showing compassion as he did this. He knew that the livelihood of the folks was on the line. The cattle and the sheep, the coin owners, could all gather up their wares and go. But those that sold the doves go to the owners. They would have been set free. They would have been set free. If Jesus had let those dove owners, they would have lost their livelihood. Even in Jesus' anger, he showed compassion. Let us continue on 17. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will rise you up. And the Jews then said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years. And will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. My friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I know you've all heard this. You may have even spoken this. Not exactly a quote, but you'll know what I mean. Kenneth Lee, Kenneth Lee, as long as you live under my roof, you will adhere to these rules of this house. You will abide by the same rules, and that is the bottom line. Does this sound familiar so far? You need to make a choice. Oh, you need to make a choice to abide or start your own rules under your own roof that you provide. Have you all heard that or said that? I think it's been passed on from generation to generation to generation. We all test the limits, don't we? As the words came out of my mouth 18 years later to my son. As I could point that finger, I could just feel it. I could hear multiple generations of parents voicing the same words as I shook my head in disbelief. 
in seminary, my first, very first class was on church administration and church polity. The leader asked us to list all the things that you lead or your church did that you attended. All of them. List them all. Then take each one of them and show how it furthered the kingdom of God. And it is a program that reflects our church and God's community. We went all through the traditional items we did. Went through the mission outreach. We went through Sunday school. We went through music ministries and such. And then we began to get into a few of the stickier programs. Administration, stewardship, extracurricular activities. We gave soft answers initially. X furthers God's kingdom of Y. While trying not to discount some of our answers, the leader then stepped forward and urged us to delve deeper into those words, into those softer programs. And then he asked some highly charged questions where the answers began to become a little more defensive by us, made us each squirm a little bit, the use of the building. Oh, oh my, can we do yoga? <laughs> you wouldn't believe how many arguments we got about yoga. I think there were a bunch of insurance agents in there. Or, or, or yoga was the big one. Believe it or not, it was, it was yoga. Yoga is such a simple thing. Really? Use of the building. Oh my, the lines of use of the building are razor sharp. And each of us, each of them could be defended. Each of them could be, how can that possibly hurt the church? And that line caused some bleeding for some folks. The text he, we presented, he presented, was the John text today. Now, don't get me wrong, I love yoga. And it belongs here at the church. Okay, let's get that at the bottom. All right. Whose church is this? To whom does it belong? Yeah, the church doesn't belong to the denomination, though the denomination would like to think it does. Or the hierarchy, or the pastor, or the staff. Not the leadership of the church, sorry guys. Not even to the members of the congregation. Though, but without you, it doesn't work. It would cease to exist. Jesus tells us that it is his father's house. He is radically challenging the leadership of the temple. You know, all those things that they were practicing, money changers, and selling cattle and doves, and all that stuff was all set up to make it easy to go to worship. So you didn't have to bring those things along with you. But as it grew, it became a little more ingrained in the church and changed a little bit. Prices got raised a little bit. People started to make money. And oh, then the leadership of the church started to make some money on it. Well, if we can sell a dove for three bucks, not make any money, what if we sold it for five? We could give it to fixing up the temple. And if we raised it to ten, we could adorn the temple even greater. And if we raised the price of the cattle, we could give the pastor a raise. We, we must be willing to ask where and when the status quo of our practices have become our practices and not open to change or reformation or even renewal. Jesus challenges a temple that's so entrenched in its rules 
its regulations, its promises, that it's no longer open to God's spirit, God's revelation, God's newness, God's change. They have built upon the need of assisting others after a long, long journey to the temple to make it a money-making venture and losing sight of the real purpose of why they did those things. They needed money changers. They needed pure animals. They needed to ensure that the temple worked to make it easy for folks to worship. The temple had become and was the central part, the only true part and place to worship God. Notice all of this takes place, though, in the court of the Gentiles, for it's there that the Gentiles could come and worship and pray and participate in the life of the temple. It surrounds the actual temple and the Holy of Holies, if you ever look at the architecture of the plans of the temple. And John has Jesus turning tables over and calling for a complete change. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is driving out or exercising the evil out of the place of prayer. But what is really necessary to take away from the Gentiles, the one place, the one area they were allowed to pray to enter in? The question to ask is, is this what God wants you to do? Nothing more, nothing less. Are we speaking out or seeking out people? And are, reaching out, are we reaching out to people? Or are we staying inside? Are we staying locked with locked doors? How many times have I been asked here in the last two months, well, maybe... For security purposes, we should just unlock those two doors and lock everything else. Do we keep, how do we keep the people that need, really need help? How do, we need them, how do we keep them from coming in? What a dilemma to reach out and yet lock the doors. It's been weighing heavy, heavy, heavy on my mind. But for the safety, we're doing the right thing. We are doing what we need to do. Our actions must pronounce the gospel message. We must offer an atmosphere providing a place that people can come and change their hearts and let the Holy Spirit work with them. They need to be able to rend their hearts and return to God. Once we return to God with new and changed hearts, we are going to go out and exercise what that call has been made of each and every one of us to work the ministry of Jesus Christ. To love God fully, our neighbors as self, and go out and do it. We must proclaim the good news of the gospel. We can't wait for people to come to us. We must go out. Wasn't that Jesus' driving passion? To go out? To go out amongst the people? And it should be ours too. Shouldn't this be the church's passion? This place is the place where the broken in mind and body and soul can be healed. A place where the hungry are fed. A place where we can feed and fed, be fed through teaching and worship. A place where all hunger for that teaching and worship can be so we can boldly walk outside of the walls of this church and preach and teach. A place where those that are thirst that are thirsty can be quenched. A place where those that are in pain can find comfort. A place where those that are sick may find strength. 
we may not always be in agreement as to what the tenets of faith are, how, they, how we do things, what we do, and what it means, but we can always be in agreement that God gave us the only Son to be born, to live, to teach, to suffer, to live, to die, and be risen again just for us. For he gave us his life. Not to turn this table over, but to turn this table into a remembrance where he sets our sins free and offers us in exchange eternal life. Friends, this is truly the message that we remember what he did for us on the cross that Friday where we eat of his body and drink of his blood where we are fed and our thirst is quenched. Friends, this is the message we find in the text today. Not that Jesus, that emotion of anger was present, but what C.S. Lewis states, the hardness of God's heart is softer than the kindness of men. And God's compulsion is our liberation. That is the prophetic work of the church. It's to be liberated, not to be inwardly focused and self-serving, but to be outwardly focused in compassion, in justice, in faith, in peace, and in love. Amen. Let us pray.